Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button if you want me to punch you in the throat or you just want to feed those algorithm gods, get this show out to more people. But main thing, let's just jump into it. The first thing that we're going to talk about today was easily one of the most requested stories from over the weekend, a douchebag of the day contender, and that is this story around a YouTuber by the name of Jordan Cheyenne. And if you're unfamiliar with Jordan, don't worry. To, to understand this story, you don't have to, but for those unfamiliar, she had over around 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. She's most well known for her boss babe style videos, though she's also posted lifestyle and fitness content as well as vlogs where she showcased her life as a single parent. And last Wednesday, she posted a video titled, We Are Heartbroken, explaining that her new puppy was diagnosed with parvo, which is common among unvaccinated dogs and can be fatal. And in the video, Jordan and her nine-year-old son, who I I'm gonna blur, he he's just a child, he doesn't need to be associated with this. They're obviously emotional, but the reason this story has gone absolutely bonkers is because of this moment that was accidentally included near the end of the video that made people upset. Pray for us. We appreciate it. I love you guys. <laughs> come here. Come closer for the video. Come closer. Come closer. Come closer. Put your head, put your head right here. Come closer. Put your head down, put your head down here. Act like you're crying. Really quick. I am crying. Go like this. No, I'm not. No, I know. But go like this for the video. Go like this. Put one hand up. Go like this. No, go like this. Put your hand like this. But let them see your mouth. Let them see your mouth. No, mama, I'm actually crying. Look at me. 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 I know. Look at me. Look at me. Look at the camera. Look at the camera. You know, a lot of people, and I'll include myself in this, when we saw this video, I, I became infuriated. Where you have a mother manipulating her son, treating her child as a prop to get her video more views, won't even, like, let your child process feelings. Where your son's experiencing a potential life or death situation of, of a member of the family that they love. And your headspace is, how can I get this kid to best market my trauma porn that I want to upload to the internet? At the main point, a lot of fans seeing this, posting very angry comments. Jordan ends up taking down the video, uploading an apology almost immediately. And in the video she titled, I'm immensely disappointed in myself. She basically thanked her fans for calling her out. My heart like dropped. I rewatched the footage and I cannot believe I rewatched it. And you guys are completely right. A hundred million percent right. And I so hope you know that I'm genuine about that. Stressing with this that she wasn't trying to hide from the situation, but also slamming those who made serious threats against her, while also noting that she's dealing with a lot of emotions over the situation with her dog. The following day, she appeared on an episode of the Dad Challenge podcast with Joshua Barber, with the host there, among other things, having a discussion with her about what kids might say to her son when he's older, since they can find so many intimate details about his mom and his life online. Then, Barber asked Jordan if she would commit to no longer sharing her son on social media, or at least not share content that violates his privacy. And there, she agreed to specifically keep him off of YouTube until he's older, saying, she had already made the decision herself after this incident. But also, as the story has picked up more and more attention, the hate against her has reached new levels. With Cheyenne posting to her Instagram that she's now actually fearful for her and her son's safety. And that led to her saying that she was going to disable comments and take a break from the internet. But actually, in the end, it appears that she has decided to deactivate her YouTube and Instagram accounts, at least for now. But ultimately, that is where we are with this story right now. And uh, here, here's what I'll say on it. First, if Jordan Cheyenne is having a legitimate moment of reflection about how she's been living her life, right? Putting content before family. But really, 
absorbing and then facing this disgusting and monstrous thing that she was doing with her child. I mean, that is to be commended. While in no way am I saying that it takes away from the disgusting act that we saw and that she got ex she exposed herself. I do hope that when there is outrage and backlash against something like this, against someone, that a big part of what's fueling it is, yes, we want accountability, but also maybe we're hoping to promote change. Yes, in society in general, but also potentially the person at the center of the original story. But also, I think it's important to know that Jordan Cheyenne is just one small example of a much, much bigger problem. There are already criticisms about children being featured in videos, but specifically, there's a huge issue of family vloggers and parents out there that are essentially like sharing trauma porn of their children. They're posting photos or sharing videos of their children in distress, or even if, you, if you're going for like clickbait, but they're like, oh, something bad happened with the kid. Our daughter from the Ace family called from school crying. It was a sad day. We made you care about our kids in these other videos. Now they might be in emotional turmoil. Click. Right? Understand, I'm not trying to blanket all family vloggers here because there are a lot of people that actually care about their children. They, they, they don't think about the content first. Right? But I hope that we can all just kind of be on the same page that it's an immensely low bar to not emotionally exploit your children. Yeah, that's where I'll leave it because I, I feel like the longer we stay on this story, the more likely I'll, I'm going to say something I eventually just like regret or gets the video suppressed. And so where I'll leave you is, what are your thoughts on this story? What are your thoughts uh, about Jordan Cheyenne specifically? And just, yeah, let me know what's bouncing around on that noggin of yours uh, in those comments down below. Then in some trending, messy, messy, celebrity nothing news, let's talk about Megan Fox Watch. That's just for the uh, the old school viewers. But no, I mean, genuinely, Megan Fox was uh, in the middle of uh, a number of trending stories over the past 24 hours. Initially making headlines because uh, a lot of people on social media, as well as a few select outlets going, wow, Megan Fox is still Megan Fox. Look at her at the VMAs, what a goddess, people said. But then that story also spun off another trend in conversation because uh, a number of people, including a uh, prominent YouTube neckbeard with some people would say a face even a mother couldn't love, trending because you had other people sharing his photo alongside his tweet in, in relation to Megan Fox, where he said, she looks like plastic and like a walking sex doll. Way too much plastic surgery. Stop with this madness, she is gross. <laughs> yes, she is the gross one in this scenario. Right, but ultimately those two things ended up being overshadowed over what happened with Megan Fox, Machine Gun Kelly, and McGregor because McGregor, hot off his leg injury and with his recovery, just out there McGregging it. With video of McGregor throwing a drink on Megan Fox's boyfriend, Machine Gun Kelly. With the two having to get separated, some reports saying they got into a fight. But I mean, some of the most viral photos appear to be McGregor maybe like trying to get to Machine Gun Kelly or maybe punching and Machine Gun Kelly kind of just looking at him like, what are you doing? And right now there's like no one has 100% confirmed definitive reason as to why any of this happened. You've got MGK brushing aside reporters, asking about it, Megan even being like, we, we're, we're not gonna talk about it. When asked about it, McGregor said this. Nothing happened with me. I only fight real fighters, people that actually fight, you know what I mean? I certainly don't fight little vanilla boy rappers. No, I don't even know the guy. I don't know anything about him. There was also some speculation reporting that this ended up happening because McGregor wanted a picture with Machine Gun Kelly, but uh, McGregor's camp has denied that. And honestly, like with almost every McGregor story over the last few years, it's just a bizarre story that leaves you going, why did this happen? But from that, I wanna take a second to pay some bills and thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Squarespace. You know, over the past year, I know many of you have found your passion projects and what truly makes you happy, whether that means finally getting your independent business off the ground or creating a 
place to share your homemade goods, your new favorite hobby, obsession, or maybe even a personal blog to get all those thoughts out of your head. Whatever it is, Squarespace is there to help. And it's so easy. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's all-in-one platform has never been so simple. It's extremely intuitive and easy to use. Plus, with Squarespace, you get access to all their marketing tools and analytics and personalized support from their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat. Whatever you need, 24-7, they are available to help out. So if you want to check it out, see why so many others love it so much, see if it is right for you. Start your free trial today over at squarespace.com slash Phil. When you realize you love it, make sure you enter an offer code Phil to get 10% off your first purchase. Then, in really interesting news, you know, in the past we've talked about creators and users suing their platform of choice, but now we're actually seeing a platform suing its own users. And this is because Twitch is making headlines now because they've now launched a lawsuit against two of its own users for allegedly creating hate raid bots that targeted black and LGBTQ plus creators. And if you're actively on Twitch at all, you're probably already somewhat familiar with this story. But since early August, there's been this organized effort by a number of small creators who've had their streams flooded, aka hate rated with racist, sexist, and anti-LGBTQ messages multiple times. With many demanding that Twitch address the situation by holding round tables with affected creators, by enabling several different features that would give them the ability to essentially shut down incoming raids, and by providing detailed information about how they plan to protect creators moving forward. And while we've seen Twitch promise to implement fixes, a lot of users were still unsatisfied with their messaging. Which all of that then brings us to this lawsuit, which is Twitch's latest move to address the situation. And in it, the platform accuses two users, Cruise Control and Creatine Overdose, of using bots to conduct hate raids in August, saying they specifically targeted black and LGBTQIA streamers, which also accusing the two of continually creating alternate accounts to avoid bans, with Cruise Control allegedly controlling nearly 3,000 hate raiding bots, and Creatine Overdose using, quote, their bot software to demonstrate how it could be used to spam Twitch channels with racial slurs, graphic descriptions of violence against minorities, and claims that the hate raiders are the KKK. But Twitch also didn't stop there, they also hit on the aspect of money, noting that the hate raids in question led by these two users were so relentless that they forced some creators to stop streaming altogether, which eliminated what they described as an important source of revenue. But, you know, that is largely where we are right now, especially, I mean, a big thing to consider, Twitch still hasn't identified these users' legal names, but uh, it says that it's traced them back to the Netherlands and Austria. Also, while all this is happening, you still have a number of users who aren't completely content with just this lawsuit, many asking for Twitch to still directly tell the community what steps that it's taking. And well, of course, I, I always ask the entire audience, if you are someone that, that actively uses Twitch, what do you want to see? Also, do you see what Twitch is doing here as a step in the right direction or no? And finally with this, just like any and all thoughts you have here, I'd love to hear from you. Then, let's talk about drugs. You want some? I'm kidding, that's not the question. Am I on them? I'm kidding, that is still not the question. No, the question is, are they becoming more popular? And the answer is kind of yes. And this because a new annual report from the National Institute on Drug Abuse found that in 2020, college students reported record high marijuana use and record low alcohol use. According to the study, 44% of college students reported using marijuana in 2020, which was a significant increase compared to 38% in 2015. Meanwhile, the same demographic reported significantly lower alcohol use in 2020, with only 56% of students saying that they used alcohol in the last 30 days, compared to in 2019, 62%. Also, the report finding a significant increase in the annual use of hallucinogens among college students, nearly doubling from around 5% in 2019 to 9% in 2020. Right, with these shifts and with these changes, there is a wonder of if there's a different mindset when it comes to certain drugs. Right, in the case of marijuana, when you're comparing 2015 to 2020, you have to think, you know, now the, the majority of the U.S. population currently has access to marijuana. With 18 states now legalizing recreational use for adults over the age of 21, 37 legalized it for medical use. Also, the stigmas long attached to the drug have changed considerably in recent years. And to speculate here a little myself, uh, make a prediction for the future, I think we're gonna see a, a similar thing happen with hallucinogen. I think the primary vehicle for that's gonna be mushrooms or rather psilocybin, especially with mental health being such a big topic of conversation right now. But hey, 
I could be wrong, but I would I would bet on myself here. Then let's talk about everyone's favorite soul draining topic, and that of course is COVID. I'm gonna put myself out there right now with, with something that people have been too afraid to say. COVID sucks, y'all. Thank you, thank you for cheering. I am brave, yes, thank you. No, but uh, no, I, I imagine most of us know that COVID sucks, but, but some of the specific instances that, that make headlines, it's just like, wow, it, it's a, an amazing kind of suck. Like we're seeing stories out there, like the, the family of an Alabama man who died of heart issues is now calling for people to get vaccinated because they say that he was turned away by 43 hospitals in three states while he was having a cardiac emergency because all their ICUs were at max capacity with COVID patients. That man, Ray Demania, was reportedly taken to Coleman Regional Hospital in Alabama on August 20th. And the next morning, around 12 hours after he was admitted, his daughter said that her mom got a call saying that the staff had actually tried 43 hospitals and were unable to find him a specialized cardiac ICU bed, with a man eventually transferred to a hospital in Mississippi about 200 miles away, and he died at the age of 73 on September 1st, just three days before his birthday. And so with all that in his literal obituary, his family is pleading with people to get the vaccine, writing, in honor of Ray, please get vaccinated if you have not, in an effort to free up resources for non-COVID-related emergencies, and adding he would not want any other family to go through what his did. And it turns out this is not a one-off situation with a spokesperson for Coleman Regional saying that incidents like pneumonias have actually been an ongoing problem reported by doctors at the hospital and others throughout the state. While the head of the Alabama Department of Public Health said on Friday that the state spike in ICU patients, many of whom are unvaccinated, has stabilized some, there are still more people who need intensive care than there are available ICU beds. And even with the spike stabilizing, Alabama has the second highest COVID hospitalizations in the U.S., according to the Washington Post tracker, which also for a number of people is not shocking considering that the state has the fourth lowest vaccination rate. You know, all of that then brings us to President Biden. He, of course, last week rolled out a sweeping vaccine mandate for 100 million people, also promising to use his power to circumvent Republican leaders' undermining relief efforts, which Alabama Governor Kay Ivey actually told the president to bring it on, right? doubling down on her refusal to mandate vaccines in her state, where people are literally being refused emergency hospital care because so many unvaccinated people are in ICU beds. And actually, regarding those mandates, I've been very interested to see, like, what are people's actual thoughts on it? There's so much noise online that I feel like like it's, it's very hard to actually discern that. And I think most people end up thinking like, people probably think just like I do. I think that I'm a smart, rational American. Most people probably think like me. But ultimately in a situation where you only give people two options, there, there's gonna be one side that turns out oh, to actually be the minority. And so in the pursuit of trying to get some sort of snapshot, I found new morning console political numbers that said 58% of Americans support requiring all employers with 100 plus employees to mandate vaccines with only 36% opposing. 57% supporting requiring federal workers slash contracts. 36% opposing, 60% support requiring healthcare workers while only 34% opposed. Right, so as it turns out, according to this polling, the, the mandates have actually been relatively popular, but also it has resulted in tons of Republican governors all over the country slamming the president's efforts to get more Americans vaccinated, some threatening legal action, while others have made the whole thing very dramatic, like South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster saying that he would fight Biden and the Democrats to the gates of hell. But also with this, we're seeing many people saying that their arguments against vaccine mandates don't really hold up, with many pointing to this interview from Chris Wallace and Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts. But it should be a personal health care choice. This is not something that the government should mandate. And somebody shouldn't have to make the choice between keeping their job and getting a jab in the arm. I mean, it's just wrong. I've talked to people, number, a number of people who have told me if they made me take the vaccine, I'm just going to be fired. I'm not going to I'm not going to do it. But you say it's a personal choice. In fact, to attend school in your state of Nebraska, children must be vaccinated against a number of diseases. Let me put them up on the screen. They must be vaccinated against diphtheria, tet tetanus and pertussis, polio, measles, mumps and rubella, hepatitis B and chickenpox. Why 
are those mandates that parents in your state must comply with and do comply with routinely, why is it that they're not so objectionable and such a violation of personal freedom, but Biden's vaccine mandates are? Right, and after Ricketts claiming that those shots have a long history of use and that people, quote, don't know what to trust with COVID-19 vaccine, Wallace, of course, pointed out that the Pfizer shot has full FDA approval now, to which the governor responded. Really, children are no more at risk for the coronavirus than they are for the ordinary flu. And so it's all about balancing off these risks. And the risk for this is just such where this is something that we shouldn't be mandating it. But also we've seen experts saying that there are a few things wrong with that, right? Some pointing to over a quarter million child COVID cases being reported in the week ending September 2nd alone, marking the largest number of new infections among kids in a single week, and meaning that children accounted for over one out of every four new cases. And secondly, you had a number pointing out that while Ricketts used misinformation to argue the risks of COVID-19 don't necessitate a mandate, the chickenpox vaccine is required for children in Nebraska schools, even though the infection has a much lower risk of death and hospitalization. Right, according to the CDC, just 10,500 Americans are hospitalized due to chicken pox on average each year, and only 100 to 150 people die. By contrast, every single day for the last two weeks, an average of over 100,000 people get hospitalized with COVID, and more than 1,600 people die per day, which once again may also explain why the polling seems to be what it is right now. But ultimately with this story or really anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. And hey, as always, thank you for watching, liking, subscribing, being a part of this family. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.